It's extra drama for book number 65, Trouble at Home. Hello, here we are. We're here. We're still here. I'm here with Rebecca Russell. Hi, Rebecca. Oh, hello, Marissa. Rebecca, we should tell the people how we know each other. We knew each other a long time ago. Uh, Chicago. We knew each other because my husband and you and several of our friends all worked at the Apple store together in Chicago. Early or like, yeah, early 2000s. Early 2000s. Yeah. And then I met you. I didn't remember that I met you. And I met you again and didn't remember (laughs) I met you. I met you a third time and you literally go, Rebecca, we've met two times before. And I was like, I'm sorry because I have a facial thing. I think I told you about this. I have Mm -hmm. a facial recognition thing where... I'll meet somebody and not realize I've met them before. It's I can't funny though because, like, for me, I normally, I, in my experience, I have the opposite thing with people where people think that they have met me already. I don't know. I like look familiar. Whatever vibe I'm giving off, people think that I look. You're comfortable. Like, oh, thank you, thank you. You're welcoming, and everyone wants to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Um, is that true, gladiators? Do you want to be my friend? Yes. I'm. I'm your friend. The in your answer ears. is yes. But no, <laughs> you live here. You and your husband. Yes. Yes. And your beautiful daughter live here in california yeah do you want to talk about like our real history like what we did in chicago at all i mean that's kind of cool so 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 gladiators uh marissa myself and some other ladies specifically one other lady and then other ladies jumped on started chicago ladies in comedy which is a not-for-profit where funny women belong uh it's a it's click c-l-i-c it's where funny women belong and it has it still exists but it's now been turned into women in comedy which is nationwide as opposed to just being in chicago our goal originally was to change the face of comedy because it was all middle-aged white guys and you're sitting here going where is the diversity where are the women voices all we're getting is that story and over the time of us being creating this and moving forward with it i feel like it's changed a lot am i right I, I, it really has. You're yeah, so right. It's really cool. I think we were kind of coming from a perspective of, you know, so many people do comedy in Chicago and you get on these like improv teams and maybe you're like the mm-hmm. only woman doing that. Or you go, I mean, and this is still an experience that people have, I'm sure. You go to an open mic night and it's awkward to be one of a few women that's going up and in a environment where it's like kind of uncomfortable and it's like all dudes that are sort of like growing out together in like what they want to be a safe space for them to be like abusive i'm sure in some ways it is though well <laughs> since the me too, me too movement a lot of stuff has changed yeah. but that still exists for sure that exists but i, I do have to say that I, I really feel like, I mean, Chicago Ladies in Comedy, it was definitely your brainchild, Rebecca. And I'm so grateful to you for bringing me on because it was a really, uh, some of the coolest things that I get to say that I did in my life. I, like, I can tell people just, like, casually, like, oh, yeah, I helped start a 501c3. Yeah. Like, we fil- we, we did all created the a not-for-profit we did from these scratch. fundraisers. Yeah. I can say, I, you know, used to host an open mic night, which is you true. You did. You hosted and an open mic night. That yeah. was so sad. Satisfying. I even did the stand up once. I yes. got paid like seven dollars and a free beer to do stand up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But more than anything else, I mean, we, we created a safe space for women because you were talking about. I mean, it still exists now. It isn't. It's a. It tended to be something that guys felt like you like you said a safe place for them to be abusive, where like they weren't going to get uh-huh. negative feedback, and that meant it, they were abusive against verbally abusive against women. And there were I don't know how racy can I get on here. 
as racy as you want. So there were dick we're jokes. We're talking about and there Sweet Valley High. Rape jokes. So. I guess that's true. I mean, there's there no were... actual sex, but we have to talk about rape stuff a lot, unfortunately. Yeah, well, yeah, because it's drama. It's a soap opera. Right. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, there's rape jokes. There's dick jokes. There's how stupid is my girlfriend jokes. That and was it, the biggest thing is so that hurtful. I felt like I noticed was this, like, oh, man, girlfriends are a drag <laughs> sort I, of uh, jokes. Not just and girlfriends, but girls. Girls, Women yeah. suck is what it kind of felt like. It was like a pro-guy yeah, like, this women. is what comedy is for. And it's not. It shouldn't be. I don't think it should be. I don't know. I guess Why? there's people that do feel that it should be, I guess, a place for them to rant about their their not being treated yeah. fairly by women, I, I mean, guess. I guess if that's what know. you want to tell jokes about, and there are people that think it's funny, but, like, don't be mad when the people who don't think that's funny don't think it's funny. Right? And, like, oh, it was funny because we do, we do our open mic nights, yes. and it'd be all women, and then dudes would come and try out their material, right. and it would be that stuff, and silence. And they go like, "Don't you all have a sense of humor?" We're like, it "Dude, just read the room." Read like, the room. clearly, the only... we don't want to be told how much we're, we're bitches. Like, we don't want to <laughs> be told that. The only time <laughs> that these guys were ever in a situation where, like, they were telling jokes at an open mic to a room full of mostly female comedians. Yeah. And it was just things would go over like a lead balloon, not because we were purposefully trying to not laugh at their jokes, right. but because it was like. And it wasn't so wildly offensive, but it's just like, oh, it's not really funny to talk about how your girlfriend is a bad cook or, like, how yeah. you wish she were thinner or something. Yeah. Like, like, this we... room is not going to be receptive to. No, of course like, not. And, and yeah. they would always seem to go late in the evening because we would make them wait. I mean, like, we anybody could come, but, like, we would make them, them wait until later in the evening. Yeah. And then they would go up and it was like, you've had your chance to see what the deal is here. Like, you yeah. think maybe you could try something else out? Exactly. Exactly. Goodness gracious. Yeah. But I think it's done a really nice job of like beautiful waves of now diversity being hopefully embraced. Oh, that would be great. I just hugged myself when I said that. Yeah. Embraced. <laughs> I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Well, one place where diversity is not being embraced is Sweet Valley, California. <laughs> um, where al- they're all white. <laughs> Although I do think that we have... Uh, a kind of early 90s thing happening with today's book, Trouble at Home, where it's like a response to, this is just a theory, but a response to the fact that divorce was a more commonplace thing that kids are dealing with. In the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And it hadn't been before. It was... Yeah. Or if it was, maybe it was like a thing that didn't merit being talked about because it was so, you know, rare. It was was rare. Yeah. Yeah. Or or even if, I guess I'm saying like, it was it was rare, but as it became less rare, I'm sure that there was a period of time where it happened, but it was, like, not talked about because it was so shameful. I actually remember in the late 90s, because I was born in 1980, so I remember in the late 90s the thing going around that, oh, my God, the divorce rate is horrible. It's going to destroy all families and we'll no longer have marriage and we'll no longer have anything um, sweet and pure like that anymore. This book, I really got the feeling that it was a response on the part of, like, Bantam to the fact that, like, divorce was the thing that kids were going through. And, oh, you like, mean, like, how they do TV shows that are, like, drug abuse is bad. This was, yeah. like, Bantam's version of, like, let's talk about issues that teens are really dealing with. Just like that, yeah. yes. Okay. Which is something the series has yeah. done before. I mean, with that exact example, right? It's yeah. like oh, drugs are bad, let's have one of our characters die of a cocaine overdose. Is that, does that really happen in one of the, I don't yeah. remember. I'll I let you borrow it if you want. I'm, I don't need to. I don't need to. It's, a, I don't it's, need to. it's hard. It's a hard one, but, okay. but shocking and exciting. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know how many kids were getting kidnapped. You would think a lot based on the number if that was <laughs> how they were deciding uh, what books, uh, what topics they were going to do. But I'm sure there are some other issues that the books talked about that were timely like that. But this one, that's what it feels like to me, just in the timing. 1990, mm-hmm. like, and also the Wayfields have always had such a felicitous marriage that it seems a little bit like... Shoehorn in. Yeah, we need something to happen. Let's have them not not have such a felicitous marriage anymore. And in order to do that, we'll need um, Ned to have a total shift in his personality. I mean... Because he is usually super laid back and very, like... Wise is kind of his deal. I mean, again, we talk a lot of shit about the parents because they do dumb things a lot. But his lines that he's given are usually, like, wisdom to give to the girls. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if... But they... in this one, he's just... He's going... Well, as you said before, he's going through a midlife, midlife crisis, which I guess is relatable in life as well. I wonder if either the author or if someone at Bansom was going through something similar, like their sibling or their husband or their whatever was going through something, and they were like, this really does happen. Let's put it in a book. I don't know. It could be. I mean, that would help explain why they make it so nuanced and it's not really clear like whose side you should be on like I don't even feel like I am on both Ned's side and Alice's side I almost feel like I am against both of them (laughs) yeah because you can see what both of them are doing wrong yeah like Alice isn't calling home she's not communicating to her husband her needs she's not setting up her boundaries properly he's not communicating that he's feeling these these feelings of inadequacy as a and I'm sure they wouldn't go into it in a book, but that's part of the subtext of what's going on is, is, is inadequacies that men in society feel when um, we put on our societal couples or whatever mm-hmm. that the man should be making the money, should be the successful one, and the woman should be at home. And it looks like this is the 90s version of a man dealing with the feelings of inadequacy mm-hmm. that happen within our construct of what a man and a woman should do in a relationship. Yeah. Right? Do you see that at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I okay. mean, and I was like, am I making that up or is that no, in there? No, totally. Yeah. I, I'm kind of thinking, what I'm thinking about mm-hmm. is that I wonder if the gladiators maybe would be expecting more, uh, like, anger, like, coming in hot from us about Ned's um, insistence that, like, Alice be doing so much of the, like, domestic stuff or... Um, I don't know. Mm. There's. I feel like we should uh, like people maybe like the conversation around emotional labor or whatever. And talking about gender roles and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But I, I guess I just feel like giving, taking it with that 90s grain of salt. I feel like it's yeah. not like here's a book where Ned's mad that Alice has a job. I know we said that in the main episode, right. but he's, he's. But it's like watching Friends episodes now. They're horrifically homophobic. They're very sexist. I don't know if you've rewatched any of them. Well, there's a, a strange, like, is it transphobia or like, is it like, it's just it's like it's dancing homophobia. around. It's a lot of homophobia. Yeah, it's I like just... a, oh, being, um, being insinuated that I may be interested in a boy or have been in a situation that makes of, me more effeminate I'm might make me... I'm thinking of the whole thing with, like, Chandler's uh, dad. Oh, that's it's right. It's just like, is that... Is that pro- but, like, is it progressive, It's actually, only progressive. It regressive? It's only progressive in that, at that time, there were not characters that were coming out as trans or coming out as... Um, men who like to wear women's clothing or women, yeah. men who thought they were women. None of that was none of that was even close to where we are today at that time. And so it was progressive in that it showed it on television and started to try to speak to some of the issues that people have with it by showing it on there. But then you watch it and you're like, dear 
God, they're horrifically offensive. It's, it's icky. But it's okay. so icky. But you didn't think we were going here when you started <laughs> this extra drama gladiator. But I do actually think that that is a, a pretty a good analogy for the experience Comparison, of reading this yeah. book and being like, yeah, you know, he's doing okay. She's she's not doing a great job of like carrying her weight either. We're back to talking about Sweet Valley High, right? We're not yeah. talking about Chandler's dad who's now a mom? No. Okay, great. Just making sure. Yeah, we're back to talking about Sweet Valley High. It's great. Just making sure. <laughs> it's always good to ask. Especially on extra drama. Yeah. I, I, it's... But the, the question of divorce um, was something that I was thinking about was you had said something about how the... It seemed like the... There was this dialogue around divorce being something that was the scourge and it was going to like ruin the family. Yes, or it's so. I mean, don't you remember they had like news stories about the high rate of divorce in this country and yeah, and you saw politicians who were running for office really talking about how that's detrimental to our families and how we need to get back to our you know right normal lives. Absolutely. But in those normal lives, people were miserable and and wanting to commit suicide and were depressed all the time without it actually being acknowledged so it seemed like such a yeah. now we can look back on it and realize that but at the time the politicians were trying to say like things were much better before divorce was a thing you know yeah i have two thoughts about that the yeah. thing i was originally going to say was that i feel like there was this assumption that somehow the divorce rate was going to continue to climb and it was like oh look how it's going up 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 like it's going to continue going up until 100 <laughs> percent of marriages end in divorce you know yeah. which has not happened and if anything i think it might be you declining know, declined yeah. in recent years i don't know then we had the pandemic who knows uh but i think it's often also some modern day wisdom that generally is true that you know if a divorce happens that's a good thing that it happened because yeah uh those two people shouldn't be married which i think this book is kind of playing a little bit into the 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 reason why people don't think of that because Ned and Alice shouldn't get divorced. No, they shouldn't. They need. They to are to, just going through a rough time. Yeah, they, they need, need to like go to couples therapy or and something. work on communication. Yeah, that's really I all could, that it is. I could see couples therapy being a thing where they end up getting more angry at each other instead of possible. But maybe some maybe they need to go to separate therapy. <laughs> I think they need to get angrier at each other because they need to be honest with each other first. So the honest stuff needs to come out of them putting up their boundaries and explaining what they're feeling and where they're coming from. Because now it's a lot of right now it's a lot of guessing on each other's parts as yeah. to what's important in their lives and what's not. And Alice got the closest to actually saying at the end there at that in that book of yes, I do think that family commitments are the most important. But here's the caveat. My life's dreams and goals are also important, and I can't let that down either. So I need to find a way to put it together. And that's what I think she was starting to get at. Yeah. But it sounded more like she was saying, but my life's goals and dreams are more important. It started to sort of go that way. Right. But I don't think that's what she's trying. Maybe I'm reading No, no, I think 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 you're totally right. I think that her, even though it is so fucked up that she rides off on that horse. Yeah. Her point is very valid. Like, what she's asking is really not on that much. What she's asking of Yeah, them. if it's like, we assume it's what, like, 11 in the morning, 12 in the afternoon? You're right. It's about six-hour difference of time we'll spend together as a family. Oh, I didn't even say, though, that's like, if it's really like they're not leaving that much after you, then why do you really need to leave right now? Yeah. But, but yeah, I think if, if, like, what she's asking them for is really just, you know, a month or two of them being patient with her. And so... 
the ultimatum doesn't make any sense right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, this needs to be a, you know, if this is the new normal, we need to have a discussion about that. It's not like a, I mean, it sucks. What she did sucks. But yeah. like what she's asking What he for did is, too. The ultimatum sucked as well. They both, I yeah. think they both sucked. I think they both really sucked. They were not being their best relationship selves. They were not being their best parent selves to have this discussion in front yeah. of their children. All of that was a terrible, those were all terrible choices to make as an adult person with any kind of yeah. responsibility to another human being and to small <laughs> human beings. Like, yeah. all of that was a terrible thing to do. That well, should not poor, have happened. I really feel for, like, any kids, you, that's, like, ironic where we started this conversation mm-hmm. talking about, oh, Bantam is looking out for this being a thing that really kids really go through. But I really, God, to have... If you had your parents get divorced or you were afraid your parents were going to get divorced, which is a fear. I, I definitely was had any time my parents fought, I was afraid that they were going to get divorced. Yeah. It didn't happen very often. But it would, and it was, oh. so it was fleeting. It wasn't a big part of my life. But I can oh, remember having those fears. argued all the time. I was afraid of it until I wasn't afraid of it anymore and I wanted it to happen. They eventually mm. did get divorced. But there was a point that I was like, this is ridiculous. Why are they still doing this they clearly are not getting along anymore but i was in high school at that point and could have some world experience to put for that into perspective well, but yeah as a kid i was terrified then instead of talking about it in theoretically like oh what must have this been this been like i can ask you having yes. read this book now as an adult yes reading elizabeth's just distraught emotional state in the closing paragraphs of that book seems really like painful um i think <sighs> So that's an in, that's an interesting question. As I'm like, as I sort of explained, like I was a teenager when they finally did get yeah. divorced, but I did grow up with them fighting all the time, and there was this sense of my sister and I would go to bed and we'd hear arguing going on, you know, mm. or I think a couple of times they tried to be like, okay, let's go have this discussion in our room away from the kids, but very often they did argue in front of us, which I think now looking back as a parent, I try really hard not to argue in front of my child, or if we argue, if Lee and I argue in front of our child. We make it a point to make up in front of her as well. Even if we make mm. up separately, we have like made up separately quietly on our own and then come back in front of her and go, hey, sweetheart, remember when we were arguing in the car about this thing? Well, I wanted to let you know I'm apologizing right now to daddy. Daddy, I'm really sorry that I raised my voice or I'm sorry that I, you know, said this thing. It wasn't appropriate. And he says, and I'm sorry that I used whatever poor word choices mm-hmm. I made. And we kiss and we make up in front of our child Aww. so that she can see that everything's okay and doesn't have to guess what's going on. I wish that my parents had done something similar yeah. for my do- my sister and I because we were almost in a constant state of we don't really know if our parents are getting along right now and there's constant tension in the household. So that is something. But I only became aware of that because you grow if you grow up with it, it becomes normalized. Yeah. You know, like oh, this yeah. is just how couples communicate. But I only became aware of that need or want as I got older and was able to see how other families worked, like watch my friend, my best friend's parents and how they communicated or didn't communicate depending on who the parents were. So I think it's it's something that kids can't quite comprehend and it is up to the adults to be more aware of it. Yeah. Because they do have the adults have life experience. Kids will either go, this is just how it is, or it will destroy them. So because these girls are teenagers, these teens are teenagers at the time, they are old enough to have it affect them like that. Yeah. It's weird, like you said, Here's, here's what's weird about the psychology of this. It is such a change for how these parents have acted in the past. Yeah. Their personalities are being a semi-changed. So if they were children who grew up with parents who were fighting like this, it would be super normal. Divorce doesn't usually happen because parents get into one huge gigantic fight. It's usually a routine of consistent not getting along and realizing that you're growing apart from each other 
and it gets worse and worse and worse. Whereas in this book, clearly, this is something huge that doesn't happen very often in their family. Right. So it's it's hard to answer that question. Like, I felt a little bit of relief when my parents finally got divorced. So much so that my my dad even, like when I was talking to my dad, he's mentioned this to me before, which is why I can even remember in the midst of all of this. But he goes, one of the things that really woke me up is when I, he said, when I told you that we were getting divorced and you said, Rebecca, what took so long? And I did. I said that to him. I was like, I don't understand why it took so long for you guys to get divorced. Wow. So it was a relief at that point. I mean, I that's an amazing answer. Thank you for sharing so much of, <laughs> of that. Course, that's, of course, uh, yeah. I I honestly, f- after such a beautiful, like, honest sharing uh, of that, I feel a little silly going back to the stupid book. No, let's go but back to the I book. will say, but it is important. Something so. that you said it made me think of a a thing about this book that really is the case is Ned and Alice don't seem to spend a moment considering what their behavior is doing to their children. Yeah. Like they, so now we can go, now we're back in our sex spot yeah. on Sweet yeah, Valley yeah, yeah. Diaries. Yeah. Now we're back to Ned and Alice terrible <laughs> Yeah. Like they, they have a lot of careful, considerate moments or nuance or whatever, you know, you, you relate to them, but they don't really, they, they have these things like the family, the family, but they're not thinking specifically about, you know, is our arguing affecting our children? And Jessica is not very affected by it, but Elizabeth is so distraught. Because she's Stephen, highly empathetic. I mean, she's feeling yeah. the feelings that they're feeling. She's right. clearly an empathetic human being. And that's what happens with people of great empathy. As you know, you start to feel what the people around you are feeling and she's taking it on without and, even meaning to. Yeah. And there are all these moments where Stephen, I, I mentioned Stephen being like the translator, but I mean, when you think about it, it is pretty wild. Like rather than hearing what's going on in from their dad or whatever, like Stephen will come home from work with the dad and like tell tell elizabeth and jessica this is what he's going through to have to translate for your parent and sort of be your parent representation is an awful thing to do to your child yeah like even though he's in college i can tell you my parents got divorced right when i went to college i was freshman in college when they got divorced so i was not in the home my poor sister had to deal with what was going on in the home as they were getting divorced as my father was um, dating another woman, like all these things. My sister was living in the home while this was all happening because she was in high school. I had already moved away to college. Even as a college person, it did affect me. Yeah. It was still hard to deal with. You know, I was thankful that they were apart from each other, but it did change my whole psyche of like uh, my parents and my home and this is what it is. And I compartmentalized it in that way. And I had to reconnect all the all the things in my brain about what it means to... um. So, so yeah, so I, I mean, he's a college age student and because his father's not communicating with the family, he's having to be the communication for him. That's a horrible thing to do to your son, to force your child to be yeah. that voice for you. And you know, one of the things he said, they say is that, um, he's kind of depressed. They talk about Ned being depressed. Well, even Jessica's work. like, he's a little blue like that. And even mm-hmm. Jessica, who's t- super unaware of anyone outside of the realm of like her life or her, like her herself, she can even pick up on the fact that yeah. he's a little blue. And look, I know that until somewhat recently depressed was a word that got thrown around a lot to just sort of mean in a bad mood. But I think that they actually mean it a little bit more. I think they do. Yeah. Here. I mean, he's not finding fulfillment in his job. He's finding inadequacies between him and his wife 
He's clearly going through his, a form of depression. He, he's seeing everything through a really, like, gray cloud, you yes, know? Yes, yes. Well, boy, I sure hope that, <laughs> so, well, something's going to happen in the next book. I actually, I, so I don't too. think this is really going to get all tied up until book 67, but let's So it's see. three of them? them There's three the of them? So them who's to now. blame is next, We've right? Got Oh, yes. Here's why. Here, let's, I'll, I will present to you the next two books and sh- explain why I think this is my theory. Who's to blame? We've got Elizabeth. Uh. She's <laughs> shedding a single tear. And then book 67 is called The Parent Plot. Oh, come on. Okay, well, that's great. The Parent Trap's one of my favorite movies of all time, so that's great. <laughs> all right. So, this might... We I'm might happy. Have... I'm happy to continue. Great. So this we is might exciting. have had a somber conversation here uh, somewhat. Oh, but... no, did I depress it too much? No, we're okay. being real. We're being These real. We are, are being about very real. real. Things, you know? Yes. And that's cool, and it's important. And I'm glad that they at least attempted to try to show something about what kids might be going through, but this is so clearly fabricated because it's not (laughs) consistent with what children would actually be going through, which is a lifetime of fighting. (laughs) But don't get too worried, gladiators, because at the end of the day, I mean, I was going to say, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a series, you know, things have to return to status quo. Mm -hmm. Of course, we do know that sometimes a beloved character dies or somebody moves away. But in this case, I think it's all going to be okay for old Ned and Alice, but not yet. (laughs) Rebecca, thank you again so much for being here. What a wonderful guest you are. And we'll have you back more. Marissa, thank you for inviting me. And I'm excited to find out how this all turns out. (laughs) Okay, gladiators, thank you so much, and uh, bye.